Welcome to episode 16 of Frog Fever, a Big 12 basketball podcast brought to you by KillerFrogs.com. My name is Davis Wilson. I'm with Nick Germani, as always, and we've got a pretty good episode coming. A lot of really good games in the Big 12 this week. Saturday was full of some uh, fun games, and we'll get into all of that. And then we will also get into, as always, the uh, the TCU stuff. But we'll start with the Big 12. Nick, how are you doing? What were your impressions of the weekend, the uh, the week of basketball we saw? Yeah, another fun weekend. We had some super fun games. That Houston-Baylor game was crazy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Bedlam, the last one, was insane. You know, T- TCU had a pretty um, – had a pretty eventful week too, but mm-hmm. you know, but back back to the roots. We don't have a guest this week, but um, so it's just back to us talking yep. talking some some ball here, and um, we're back to the guest next week. But you know, I'm excited to, to just talk some ball and have a pretty um pretty good episode. Yeah, it will be a good episode. There was um a lot of um teams that got big wins for themselves as we get closer to March. These games are becoming more important. Um, especially for those teams that are, you know, kind of fighting for position in, in that NCAA tournament field. Um, last week we did win of the week and loss of the week. If you want to do that again, we can start with that. Yeah. Um, let's run it back. It's cool. Yeah. It's cause, um, we're in the part of the year where things are starting to shape out and, yep. uh, you get a better look at where everyone lies in conference. So these games are fun. My, if I want to start with the win yeah, of the week, start, I think, so we talked about it last week in the in or out segment. Um, I think you brought up Oklahoma, and it was like, okay, Oklahoma, they they had that hot start to the year, and you thought they would be um, they'd be safe, but you know they had a two last week last week against Baylor, Kansas, and they were dogs at um, in Stillwater for the last bedlam there. You know they, they were missing um, they were missing Hughley. That that backup big for them has been good this year, and. Uh, and obviously, that's one of the best rivalries in college. So that environment is crazy. And pulling out that win on the JVM McCullum game winner, like that was, that was as fun I've had um, watching a, a a college basketball game this year. You know, just back and forth, and it was like that overtime was crazy. It was just and one after and one after big shot after big shot, and that last possession when for OU, you know, McCullum they didn't really get anything and it was just dead and McCollum had to throw something up and it went in. So mm-hmm. um, I was watching that in the, in the press box room after the TCU game. So it, it was fun. Um, just huddling around a little TV there, but awesome game. It's, it's everything college sports are about, you know, rivalries and game winners. And um, that was a fun one and a huge one for OU's resume. Cause it kind of gives them a little bit of cushion for now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, brought it up last week like they had started but I think they started I mean obviously their non-conference they started really well they only lost one yeah and then big 12 they you know they had a couple decent wins but um you know at this time last week I think they were like six and seven big 12 you know eight 18 and eight overall and we're starting to wonder like are they really that safe are they really as safe as people are saying and basically, they needed to go win this game, and they did in dramatic fashion on the road in an environment yeah. that really wanted them to lose. So um, that's good for Oklahoma, and that really does – I mean, it is just Oklahoma State. Like, it's – you know, you look at that game, and you're like, all right, Oklahoma should be beating Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma – you mentioned, like, the Sooners were underdogs. This is a rivalry. This is the last game. This is the last Bedlam game that will be played in Stillwater. Uh, at least for the you know the foreseeable future, and they came out with a really really big win, and I don't think it should be discounted that it was against you know Oklahoma State because of how great that rivalry is and how you know they were coming off of two straight losses, so that's just a really big win. I agree with that. That's um, a really nice win for them, and really I think kind of gives them a little bit of comfortability when it comes to like the seeding and the brackets and stuff. Yeah, they they needed that one too because their next four games is Iowa State, Houston, Cincy, and Texas. So, um, and it it's at Texas and at Iowa State for those, and you're probably not, you know you're lucky to win one of those four to be honest. So, um, getting that win against Oklahoma City is huge. If they lost it, they would have been in in such a big hole late down in the year. Yeah, yeah, good win for them. Um, my winner of the week, 
I chose Houston over Iowa State, but really we can just talk about Houston's week as a whole because they were um, really big winners of the week. Yeah. Um, so we all knew they were really good, but now they've won, what is that, five in a row with wins last week over Baylor on the road and Iowa State at home. And the Iowa State game, we knew that was going to be kind of a slugfest, a battle it was. They were able to, I mean, they played they played their style of ball and it it you know obviously they won but like Jamal Shed is so good, um, yeah you know Cryer's playing really well. Emmanuel Sharp had a really good game against Iowa State, but I mean winning on the um at home against Iowa State and then going on the road to play Baylor, which that game was. They were blowing Baylor out, and Baylor actually made it a game, brought it to overtime. Houston was still yep. able to win. But, man, like, this team is so for real. Um, we, I mean, there were some people that got worried about them when they lost to Iowa State and TCU back-to-back, but it turns out Iowa State and TCU on the road are both just really tough games, and they've since only lost one game since that. So, um, I mean, yeah, they beat – I mean, I would say Baylor and Iowa State were two of the top five teams in the conference in the same week, and that is yeah. so hard to do. They just are not going to lose. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, I I want to highlight um, Jamal Shedd a little bit more, yeah, too, because I, I to. believe he should be Big 12 Player of the Year, I and agree. I believe he should win uh, Defensive Player of the Year in all college basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, I love watching him play. He plays with such fire and his such smart decision making he's like literally he's perfectly built for the kelvin sampson offense and Mm. just um i think guys who stay at the same place for four years should should get commanded a little bit more because it's i don't know you don't see it as often and when a guy can develop because shed wasn't didn't come off the you know come i don't think he played much his freshman year and yeah he's a three-year starter but he hasn't really been that you know they had marcus sasser the past couple years so he hasn't really been a star, but he's waited it out, and now he's developed into such a smart playmaker and scorer, and specifically in that whenever Iowa State, 26 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, um, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 steals. I mean, he did it all, and uh, when he's got the ball for, for Houston, I mean, he's he's making that offense go, and um, Yes, their their offense is their kryptonite because it, they're not that consistent with it. But if you can keep Shed healthy in the game, and you know they're going to be a, such a tough out in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, and then in that win against Baylor on Saturday, yeah, um, he had, yeah, I think he had twelve points, but he also had ten assists. So yeah, even when he's he, not putting up like twenty six or whatever, he still has such a massive impact on the game. Yeah, his his like ESPN stats, I like to say, which is just, you know, you're basically points assist rebounds aren't, you know, they're not jumping off the board. But mm-hmm. I mean, just watching him play, he's he's embodies what it means to be a part of that Houston team. And, you know, as you said with J1 Roberts, LZ Crowder, like they're complete. Um, they lost Arsenal for the season and, and guys have stepped up, like your Emmanuel Sharp, your Javier Francis, you know, all those different types of guys that have taken that next role. And it just shows how good of a coach Samson is to have yeah. guys buy into that system. And um, I mean, yeah, in that Baylor game too, I mean, he was 0.1 seconds away from hitting that sick game winner. Like mm-hmm. um, he's, he's so legit. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kelvin Sampson should absolutely be one of the front runners to win national coach of the year. I think he's done a really good job. He just has his brand of basketball and he plays it every year and it works for him. Um. The other thing I wanted to say about this game, I mean, the uh, Houston-Baylor game, was that Houston really dominated the first half, but the second half was actually not really even close. Baylor, like, storms back. Um, Jacoby Walter has a really good game. Ray J. Dennis, another good game for him. Jalen Bridges, all those guys play really well, get him back in the game, and it goes to overtime, and Houston completely flips it, like – they went overtime 13 to seven um, when they had been kind of, I mean, dominated in the second half. So being able to, to come back and settle down and, you know, go get a win in overtime, despite not playing great the last what, 20 minutes of the game was really impressive. And that's another loss 
overtime loss at Foster Pavilion for the Bears. I'm sure those fans are getting tired yeah. of that. But um, yeah, just wanted to shout out the week that Houston had there. They're so good and they're really, really fun to watch. If you, I mean, like, they're just that textbook college basketball team that is just fun to watch. They, yeah, they muck it up. Really, they play insane defense. They have stars. They have, you know, LJ Cryer at any moment could go off and give you 25. Yeah. So it's just, they have it, they have it all for me. They have a fun coach um, who's really good. And yeah, shout out to Houston. They're, if anyone was curious, they are really good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that um that Houston Baylor game too showed the the ceiling and floor, I think, of both teams in the half. Like the first half it was Houston plays in their style, they're getting great looks on offense and they're just making it insanely tough for, for Baylor to get um points. And then the opposite, you know, when Baylor can get hot, their offense is so legit that they can score at a point and you know, if even Macy hits a free throw there, you know, mm-hmm. he had the offensive interference lay like that they he he had a couple of rough um rough bounces of the ball there. But I mean that game could have gone either way. So we could be talking about Baylor being great too. And they were out Lakes in love as well, which is their yeah. you know, he's he might be sixth man of the year in the Big Twelve. So um for Baylor to compete with yeah. Houston like they did and to respond in the second half like that, because when I was watching the first half, I was just thinking Houston's going to blow them out. Um, but they responded well, and I think you can take positives from both of these teams in in this scenario. It was just a, a, an awesome game that showed you a lot. Yeah, for sure. Baylor's still really good, although they did lose twice. Last week, they're still really good. And they – I was I just did the math. I think they did – they outscored Houston 44-28 to 28 in the second half. So they stormed back and made it a game. So good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, definitely. Um well, for my loss of the week, I want to do Cincinnati over Oklahoma State. Um, I think we're going to – this is the first week in a long time we're going to scrap the in-and-out segment for this week because mm-hmm. this loss kind of put an end to it. Um, we were talking about Cincinnati, again, just barely missing it. You can't lose to Oklahoma State at home and then not, you know, get a, a win, you know, like they – We'll talk about TCU later, but you can't lose two games in a week and one of the one of the losses being to Oklahoma State at home when you're on the bubble and expect to be in. Yeah. And it's funny because in the in the press room after the TCU game, I I asked Wes Miller and I was like, "What does your team have to do to make the NCAA tournament?" And he gave like almost a, like de- a defensive answer, like it was um, it's like oh we don't worry about that right now. We don't want to get in the players' heads, but. I think it, it did kind of put it in perspective for them that it's going to be real tough for them at, at this point of the year because they don't have crazy opportunities other than at Houston Tuesday, which is not going to be a win. Like, yeah. um, you know, I don't expect Cincinnati to go into Houston and get a win under any circumstance. Um, But, yeah, and then home against K-State, that really doesn't boost your resume, and home against West Virginia doesn't really boost your resume. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they – and they, I mean, they need to make a run of the Big 12 tournament to be able to get a bid at this point of the year, point blank and sample, because of what um, what position they put themselves in. And that Oklahoma State loss was mind-blowing to be able to have all the pressure, or not the pressure, but be able to play for so much. Yeah, they were at Victor Lake and they're, they're big men, and um, but Oklahoma State is out Bryce Thompson the rest of the year. So, um, I mean, it, it's a, it's an inexcusable loss that I think – might turn since he's season upside down yeah yeah maybe i mean they're gonna have to start worrying about the tournament I, you know i know that's probably coach speak saying whatever we don't want to get into the guy's heads yeah but i mean now they do need to start they need to start realizing that they can't i mean they that was the worst case scenario for them this week we talked last week on the pod about how it was still all right in front of them you know they're outside of the bubble for us but a good week here, which was a very, very gettable week against yeah. state and TCU. You know, even if you split those, they're still probably at least close and they lose both. Um, And they lose to, to TCU. get blown out. Yeah. Yeah. They lose to TCU pretty handedly and we'll get into that yeah. um, later, but yeah. And it, it's, that was about as bad as it can get for you. For Cincinnati, um, 
this this week. It just you know, Oklahoma State is not a team you can be losing to at home when you're you know on the bubble and trying to put together a, a resume and they yeah just bad really bad and they're probably i agree they're gonna have to they're probably gonna have to i mean they're gonna have to beat kansas state west virginia at home they're, they may yeah. have to even beat baylor on i mean oklahoma state on the road i mean sorry oklahoma on the road yeah and they're gonna have to you know win a couple games in the uh, tournament in kansas city so just a really poor week for them and it it makes it makes the tournament um um much more you know unlikely for them i think yeah and they were in a great position a couple weeks ago too or i don't want to say great position because they have been on the bubble the whole year but in a position where i think and i if i were to bet like a month ago if they would have made the tournament or not i would have said yes just because um you know they were having decent success at the start of the big 12 season and if you do that you feel comfortable enough to be able to, to to be there but uh, it's not looking good for them right now. Yeah, I think they're the the thing is I think they're good and I think they like have good players. They we they showed earlier in the year when they you know they beat Texas Tech on the road, they beat TCU at home in overtime. Like they're good, um, but they just I think it's an it's one of these cases where it's a new Big Twelve team that is finding out how hard it is every single week to play in this conference and yeah. Um, you know, there's just an adjustment, I guess, there. They haven't won two games in a row since December 29th and January 6th. So they haven't won two in a row in conference play all year. They had a chance to do that against Oklahoma State on Wednesday and obviously didn't. So, yeah, really rough. Yeah. And to your point about adjusting, like, that's even more compliment to what Houston's doing because coming from the AAC schedule. Absolutely. I mean, they didn't miss a beat coming in. They're solely first place possession of the Big 12, which has been mm-hmm. Kansas's conference and these upper echelon Big 12 teams conference. And just to be able to come in and dominate like they've been doing is is so sick. So I guess just another shout out to Houston for that. Yeah, them and I think BYU still, you know, adjusting yeah. better than a lot. They're five. Yeah, would. they beat Baylor this week. So yeah, um, yeah, they're still hanging around. Yeah, but bad loss. For Cincinnati, bad losses for Cincinnati. My loss of the week, I think my loss of the week is Texas Tech losing to UCF. Um, they were on the road, but coming off a really nice win for them uh, against TCU at home, this was definitely one where they could capitalize and won. You know, gone undefeated on their week, yeah, puts them in a really good position. They're still in. It's not one of. The, it's not like a Cincinnati yeah. where they're you know, not falling out completely, but they're in and they're, they're fine, but this is a, not a good loss. They lose by 14 to UCF, a team that is, has no real tournament hopes. Um, I don't know, like Joe Toussaint, three points doesn't give you a ton. Um, Pop Isaacs only got eight. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure what happened here for Texas tech. Um, but it, it's not a good look as you, again, as we get closer to March and you don't want to lose these type of games. Um, they just didn't have it, I guess, which happens. It it happens sometimes. But losing by 14 to UCF is uh, yeah, just not great. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I will add, too, that they were out Chance McMillan, which is a big yeah. part of what they want to do. Yeah, they did get sure. Warren Washington back, but he only played 13 minutes. So mm, he um, didn't do much for them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the UCF has been, has lost four straight and earlier in the week, they lost to West Virginia. So mm-hmm. it's not like they were even building momentum coming in. Um, yeah. It may just be a letdown game. I think that we'll get yeah. into the TCU game too, but that, that was a tough bounce, like comeback um, rivalry yeah. win that yeah, I think a took really a lot. Good win for them. Yeah, maybe took a lot out of them there. And, you know, they had been kind of having success coming into the game. So winning three, four, and they only lost to us at Iowa State. So um, I wouldn't panic too much yet because they have a favorable schedule down the stretch. Home against Texas, at West Virginia, at Oklahoma State, and then home against Baylor, which uh, you could win. I mean, all four of those games are 
you know, they, they could be favored in those. So um, I wouldn't panic too much about this, and hopefully they get a chance to get back soon um, for their sake. But, yeah, you don't, you don't want to lose the UCF by double digits, especially as a team that wants to compete for the top of the Big 12. Yeah, it's definitely um, not anything to to worry about, I don't think. But it is just this time of year, um, you don't want to be losing to UCF, regardless of it's, if it's home or away. And then also, I think an underrated thing that that loss did was it pushed them. I think they had, after the win at TC, against TCU, I think they had made their way in the top four of the Big 12, which the top four gets the the tournament by right yeah yeah so so they were in position there and then they lose and now it's tcu in that fourth spot along with yeah. houston iowa state and kansas which we'll get into but i think that's kind of the reason why you don't want to be um losing games like that because the buy is going to be huge i think those four buys are going to um the teams that get them are going to you know that's a big win um so <clears throat> So yeah, just a, an unclutch loss. Nothing, I guess, really to worry about, but just an untimely loss when they had a lot of momentum. And you know, I don't know, just um, not great at this time of year. Yeah, no, they could have put themselves in good position to get that top four seed, as you said, which is yeah. which is massive. So yeah, big letdown game. That's um, that's not good for them at all. Yeah. Okay, I put down here on our list that we should talk about Kansas because we didn't we haven't talked about Kansas yeah. yet. They I agree. um so they had a fine week. They went undefeated or no, they only played once. They beat Texas yesterday, but they have now won two in a row. They beat Oklahoma last Saturday. But I saw on Twitter there's a lot going on on Twitter right now about Kevin McCullough Jr. Yeah. and his health and his knee. Um, and it seems like that is a bit more concerning than we initially thought that Kansas fans hoped. Um, and it seems like, I mean, I think he's already been ruled out for uh, their game on Tuesday against BYU. Yeah. South um, said it was week to week and yeah. that he doesn't like, he said when or if he'll play the rest of the year, which yeah. is not a good sign. For That's not Kansas. good. That's not good. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about his health and we've talked a lot about, Kansas and what you know we've asked that question what happens if McCuller or um, Dickinson go down we saw that earlier in the year McCuller missed a couple games and they didn't look great and now it looks like he's gonna miss time this week for sure next week I mean we'll see but they have BYU and Baylor this week two good teams they have Kansas State and Houston to close it out um I don't know yeah it's concerning to me for them because just what we saw earlier when I think it was that Texas tech loss where they lost by yeah. basically 30. I don't 30, think yeah. was that the game that McCuller was out. Yeah. So it's yeah. an interesting uh, dilemma because he's been out three games. Now he was out that Baylor game when they had game day there and they got the mm-hmm. win. They that was at home. Yeah. That was at home tech away. They get blown out without McCuller and then Texas at home. Um, they get the win. So a role player, the role players need to be at home and, you know, they're fine with them. But once you get into postseason play, that's not going to be a thing. So I do really worry about this. And I do think if self says, if he's going to play the rest of the year, I mean, that's not a good sign, especially yeah. in the injury that can linger and uh, it's pretty serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yesterday was a very encouraging sign. Um, Furphy. My guy balled out 16 points. Nick Timberlake. Nick Timberlake. We finally get to talk about body. Nick Timberlake. <laughs> he like he that dunk was sick on the law. Just a I, I don't care remember who it was for, for Texas. Awesome. But I mean they're gonna have to step up every game. And yeah. They're gonna have to prove that they can do it on the road because they've only been able to do it at home so far. So I'm very interested to see um the rest of the season for Kansas, these last four games. Um they get BYU, Baylor, K State, and Houston. So tough games, but you're also Kansas, so you expect to have success and you expect to be able to have guys step up. Um, yeah, it's it's a super interesting dilemma. I do, I really worry about them come tournament play because they're not going to be able to play at Outfield House. So yeah, um, I was going to. Uh, it's a big red flag for picking them in your brackets for sure if that injury yeah. lingers, but. 
I mean, if you can get him back, I mean, this is like flip the script type of thing. Um, bright side, like if you can get him back for the Big 12 tournament or something like that, just randomly, I guess it's just wait and see on how the knee is. But then you get your like your Furphies and your Timberlakes and your Marco Jackson, a little bit more experience in there. Then then get some some footing under their um under their belt. Yeah, which I guess could be good. But yeah, if if McCullough is out for the year, then I think you can count out Kansas title hopes. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about Kansas is even with McCuller, I worry a lot about them when they aren't playing at Allen Fieldhouse um, because they just aren't good on the road. They haven't been good on the road here. Um, That's a good point too. Even with with McCuller, like they lost to UCF and West Virginia earlier in the year on the road. They lost to Kansas state on the road. Like they aren't a good road team. They, I think they, I mean, they're one and one. Or I guess they're two and one on neutral sites. So, but that, you know, you'll remember November, they got smoked by Marquette, which was a neutral site game, which is, you know, Marquette's a tournament team. That's a, you know, that's as close to like a tournament neutral site preview as you'll get. And they didn't handle it well. Obviously, they're a different team now. It's been a long time. But I worry about them even with McCuller. So without him, it's it definitely gets really interesting. Um, like we said, they have BYU at home on Tuesday. Getting them at home is a big deal. But then you go to Baylor on Saturday. Yeah. You come back. It's going to be crazy. Um, next Tuesday, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, they play Kansas State at home, which is a rivalry game. Who knows about that? And then you get Houston on the road, which is so tough. So I'm concerned about them. They're going to have to have some guys step up. Dickinson is definitely good enough to, you know, win a couple games by himself but if he really is out for the year or a a true extended period of time it does get a little hairy their their um march madness run hopes also like they're not they're not safe from falling out of that top four in the big 12 i don't think so like if they i don't know if they don't handle this absence well they'll um fall out of that yeah. top four and not get a bye, which would be just insane to see Kansas not get Yeah, a I mean, TCU's only a game back from yeah. from that mistake, which is kind of crazy looking at it from a TCU it makes, fan perspective. But, it makes um, that TCU game earlier in the year so much, yeah, exactly. so much more important for them. I mean, if you don't call that Uday play. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things like that that's crazy in college basketball to, to yeah. look back on, but it is how the, how the ball rolls. Yeah. All right. Before we go and talk about TCU, um, you put down here that you want to do our Big 12 first team picks. I think that that's a fun idea. Yeah. Who are you the, thinking? Um, yeah, I figured we owe the, the uh, Frog Fever fans uh, an extra segment this week for scrapping in and out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can go first here. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll just run off my five. So – my number one pick, as I said before, no, obvi- no, is Jamal Shedd. Um, I mean, he's I again. I said it before. I think he should be Big Twelve Player of the Year. I think he he's such a fun college basketball player. He reminds me of like like a Frank Mason or like a yeah. Devon, like those old Kansas guards that were Big yeah. Twelve Players of the Year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Devontae Graham, those guys. Yeah, I love watching. I already talked about him before, but he's in there. I think you can put Tame and Lipsy in there for mm-hmm. um. Uh, Iowa State guard. I think you have McCuller in there. I think you have Dickinson in there. The two Kansas guys. Um, I know McCuller's hurt, but what he's done this year is is nothing. He was probably Big Twelve Player of the Year favorite maybe before he went down. So, um, you still have to give the guys props. And for my last spot, I'm gonna go Emmanuel Miller. Yep. <laughs> he's well. We're kind of talking about him more for TCU, but he. He's as consistent as it comes to college basketball. It's insane watching him do what he does on on an everyday, every game basis. Um, yeah, he he deserves Big Twelve player or Big Twelve first team for sure. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be pretty boring because our list looks pretty similar. I'll try to switch it up. Though. Are they the same? I'll give I'll give I'll give some other guys some chances. Yeah, we can uh, do honorable. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, here, yeah, yeah. All right, I've got Jamal Shedd, obviously. I agree that he's this conference's best player, the player of the year. Um, 
We already talked about him. He's a he's awesome. If you haven't seen him play, go see him play. He's great. Um, next, I had McCuller and Dickinson, the Kansas duo, has to be in there. Yeah. Um, when those two guys are healthy, they're the best duo in college basketball, probably. Definitely in this conference. Yeah. Um, Taman Lipsy has had a really good year. Another really fun player. Um, just one of those guys. That's a fun college basketball player. He's done a lot for Iowa State. And I had Emmanuel Miller because, and maybe we're biased, but I think he's been so good for TCU, yeah. especially in a year where we're all wondering how are they going to replace their star power that they had last year. And he has done a really good job of being this consistent, steady hand in that T- on that TC roster. But since you picked him, I'll go um, Keyshawn Gilbert. I was uh, going to say, yeah. He's a St. Louis, Missouri native. So got to shout him out. But um, yeah, he's good. He's really good. And he, I mean, he and Lipsy are right behind McCuller and Dickinson when it comes to those duos in the conference. Um, I don't have his averages pulled up, but he, I can get him though. Hold on. Yeah, I think he leads him in scoring. And um, yeah, he's been out there. Other honorable mentions I had too, just like listing some other guys off who could, who could definitely be in consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, a-, a Smith for Texas yep. has been amazing all year. LJ Cryer for Houston has been amazing. J1 Roberts for Houston. Um, I mean, Jacoby Walter at Baylor, Ray J. Dennis at Baylor. You know, there's there's guys at every team that can that can make a huge difference for them. So um, it'll be interesting to see what these what these awards do. I get, mm-hmm. we probably should have done a draft style that might have been more fun, but I yeah. guess it doesn't really um, accompany what the Big Twelve first team is. But um, yeah, that's just because we're into the year time of the year where we only got like four games left. So these awards are going to start being talked about soon. And yeah, um, yeah I definitely want to throw my vote in the ring for E-Man. Yeah. To be a I consideration. We've got to give him credit here on the Frog Fever pod. Um, you have to. I think he's going to get looks even from outside people. He's been that good. Um, I have Keyshawn Gilbert's stats here now. He's averaging 14 points a game, 4.6 rebounds a game, 4.1 assists per game, a steal and a half. Um, he's shooting the ball pretty well. So – He'll probably be my fifth one just to switch it up a little bit. Although in my heart, I do say Emmanuel Miller, but for the pod, for the content, I'll put Keyshawn Gilbert in my fifth spot. And yeah, he's who I would have put in. If there's a lot of him. talent. There's a lot of talent in this conference. Yeah. It's actually crazy. Yeah. I mean, even like UCF, like Jan Sellers and Darius yeah. Johnson are both like Sellers, yeah. I don't know, top in top in scoring. I mean, they probably won't get it because UCF isn't good, but I mean, it just goes to show there's there's so many dudes in this conference, and it's so tough to get those awards. I guess Sellers will be back next year, so that'll be yeah, probably that'll be kind of cool to keep, yeah. keep on UCF. And him. I don't know, like with this, since this NBA draft class is so weak, that it's like for these guys who may yeah. not know, like this is the year to declare for the draft because it's. Yeah. That's true. It's unbelievable. Like I saw like a mock that had like Reed Shepard for Kentucky go. I saw like a mock that had like Furphy being like a first round pick. And um it's wow. crazy how 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 weak this this draft class is. Yeah. To say that like if you have a good year, you should go this year. It's it, um yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like Zach Evie is gonna be a lotto pick. <laughs> that's crazy. that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Um yeah, so like Sellers, who knows what he'll do. Darius Johnson, you mentioned him as well for UCF. That duo, both could be back. So UCF yeah. next year, maybe will be fun. I don't know. Watch I out. don't know. But um, all right, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll discuss TCU's one-in-one week and uh, get into the previews of the Baylor and BYU games. Yeah, let's talk some frogs. All right. Okay, welcome back to Frog Fever. It's time to talk TCU hoops. Um, They went one and one this week with a loss to Texas Tech, a win uh, against Cincinnati. We both predicted that exact thing, actually. So we are extremely hot when it comes to picking these games. Yeah, 
But um, let's start with that Texas Tech game because that was a really good game, a game that I definitely thought TCU should have won. Yes. Uh, they were, for the most part, I mean, I don't want to say in control, but I think they led the game by 10 with like, what, like six minutes left. So yeah, it definitely, it was... did, it definitely did feel like it was a game that TCU should have won, but being on the road in Lubbock, obviously Texas Tech is never out of it in, in that environment. And they came back and they won a close game. But I, for me, at least this doesn't, this didn't, like really do much to what what I think about TCU just because I think both these teams are really good. It was more disappointing for me because I thought they played well. And I thought that for the most part, they not deserved a win, but certainly could have won. So it was just a little disappointing in that sense. Like it was one that you really wanted um, if you get that win. And then obviously we know they ended up beating Cincinnati, but going two and zero last week would have been really big. Um, but I don't think it matters a ton in the long run. It's just one of those things where uh, it's a tough loss and a tough conference. Yeah, definitely. You need to keep like a, a a broader perspective on this, I would say, because yeah, like you said, it losing this game, you know, they were like six point underdogs or something like that. Like you, you didn't expect to, you know, like if a loss happened in the game, it wasn't the end of the world going into it. So, um, so yeah, it, in the way they responding in Cincinnati too, which we get into, which is fine. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a fine loss, I would say. Mm-hmm. But the thing that hurts, like you said, is that we were up ten with six minutes left in the game. And um, I want to first highlight out of this game and highlight, you know, of the week is Isam Mustafa. Yes. Um, yeah, Mustafa. he balled. Yeah, ten points in that game and. Uh, I think Jamie actually took him out to go to that more small ball lineup, uh, like right when that happened. So I what I would have wondered what would have happened if uh if some kept stayed in and they couldn't penetrate to to the line that much and they you know they just kept drawing free throws and stuff like that. It was a very free throw heavy game in there. Um, yeah, I mean the team played all right. You know, I I wish I I want to see a Trey Tennyson like yeah comeback game because he got benched in the Cincinnati game and he was really bad in the um in the tech game he just just been struggling on defense a lot recently I think and um maybe that comes from his his shooting woes which kind of sucks he had a decent shooting game against Cincy which was cool to see especially later in the game hitting some threes to kind of push a lead against him but um yeah he just was not existing in that game and you wanted to see Xavier Cork step up a little more than he did Mm -hmm. Jamie just completely went away from him in the mm-hmm. second half when he was a starter because, I mean, Uday means so much to this team, and it's awesome seeing Esam step up because you needed one at least one of those guys to be able to take it the next step forward, and Esam was that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're going to need Uday. I hope Uday plays against Baylor huge because I think he he's the only – you know, he played so much in that first Baylor game to be able to match up on Misi. But Tech was at their big man too, so, um, you know, Warren Washington in that sense – yeah, Tech's, Tech's a good team, and they going to Tech, United Supermarkets Arena, um, is, as everyone knows, one of the toughest places playing college basketball, and we even got a little court rushing dilemma, which was a hot yeah. topic this week after the game, which I think they do it every game is what they said, or is what I heard, but... Um, really? Yeah, oh. or like, and it was like halfway due. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a funny thing, but yeah. I mean, good takeaways from the game. I thought Avery Anderson, especially coming out early in the game, uh, mm-hmm. he's been shooting the ball a lot better. He had a great week. Um, I thought Jameer was was good. Um, yeah. You know, Micah was decent. He didn't have his best week. But, yeah, I don't worry too much. I don't take too many negatives about this going forward. I would have liked to see Esam play a little more in the Tech game, especially seeing how he played. But, overall, I'm not really um, – taking too much away from this one yeah yeah it was just um it's always good to see Jameer and Avery play together I mean play well together at the same time yeah and that was kind of the case in that I mean this whole week but in that Texas Tech game both of them played yeah. well um and now they're on the starting lineup together too so yeah I was gonna say like the same I, thing I like that I like that a lot actually yeah um, 
obviously you don't have that shooting um, that Tennyson gives you, although he's, like you said, has not been himself. And, you know, Avery Anderson can – both those guys are capable of knocking down shots, obviously. But yeah, uh, I like them together playing starting in some cases. I guess it kind of depends on your matchup. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, Mustafa was really good. I th- he had like four offensive rebounds, I think, where yeah. he was just – trying harder than everyone else to rebound and that's really what you want to see out of your big um especially like a backup big who's didn't have a lot of opportunity he came in and um like really took hold of that opportunity and it was pretty cool to see that um jacoby coles i think is starting to find himself again he yeah it's awesome to see yeah he was hurt for a while and even after he came back he was pretty bad like it was kind of tough to watch sometimes, almost unplayable at points. And he's really responded well to that. Um, 18 points in the win against Cincinnati. I think he had 10 um, against Texas Tech, all that coming off the bench. So 18 points off the bench is so big. Like if they can, obviously that's not going to happen every game, but that is massive. If you can get that, um, if you can get that every once in a while, if you can get half of that, like if you can get nine points off the bench from him, every night that would be huge and um it's cool to see him come back because he was such a weapon in the beginning of the year like in the beginning yeah. of the year we talked about him maybe being this team's best i mean one of this team's best players because of the start yeah. he got to but um so it's cool to see him come back respond um but yeah i i, I think that it was a really you know good week overall obviously had a chance to be a great week but that winning in Cincinnati was pretty convincing. Um, Emmanuel Miller, as always, was really good. He had in this Cincinnati game, he had 18 points on five of eight shooting, six of six from the free throw line, um, six rebounds, six assists, three steals, just filling it up like he usually does. And um, yeah, he's our, he was, if you listen to the previous segment, he's on both of our Big 12 first team ballots. Yeah. Um, He's just been so consistent and so great for this team. But, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good week. And, um, you know, splitting those two is what we both expected. So um, I'm not super disappointed, although that Texas Tech game was very winnable and um, a little bit deflating to lose that. But they responded really well. That's one team this team – what's one thing this team has done well all year is respond. I feel like they have – you know, after losing a couple, after losing a bad one, they have always kind of responded. So that's a good thing to see. Yeah. One thing I want to highlight from the Cincinnati game too, is that, um, yeah, so Uday was out and this team's obviously we know is, is thin at, at big man, but the three best players from the game is E-Man who did it all, which E-Man developing um, into the, the player that he is like, he couldn't do, he couldn't have six assists. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, three steals like he was two two for four from three he's such a complete player now that um you know you can count on him literally every game we say it all the time but um yeah just him stepping up even more than what he usually does in a time where he needs to it was awesome uh Jacoby like you said a, a guy that yeah when he's patient he's finally getting his footing under him from that footy he's he's had double digits in six of the last seven games mm-hmm. um which is awesome. Like if he can even, if you can get a double digit score off the bench, I mean, that's massive for your team. And then Esam, which you talked about before, like those three guys are the, I would say Cork too, um, are the, your big man that have to step up in Udi's absence. They did that perfectly. And another thing from the Cincinnati game is that we got to play, we played them exactly how we wanted to play them. Like we won the turnover by forcing turnovers. I think our fast break points was like twenty five to four or something. We won it on. Um, we took decent enough care of the ball and we had more energy than them, which was awesome. Um, you know, we were constantly getting them to play at our game, which is so big for for TCU because we play that unique style and everyone knows about the fast break style that we said. Um, but specifically to Eason too, I, I don't like he had a couple of post moves and like dunks where he brought the energy after the game, which is awesome to see that. It reminded me of um an Eddie Lampkin like 
that type of no. style where he brings that good and I I mean that with like the best compliment like I'm a huge Eddie guy and um I think he actually gets slept on the impact he had the past couple of years um, oh, yeah. just because he's such like a character guy and obviously didn't end that well but uh yeah Isan has a little bit of shades of that where he makes those those dirty plays he's got a big body and um he's got I think a little more finesse moves to it than what you see just looking at him like either one up and under finger roll and one where he was getting hype up. Um, you know, it was awesome seeing that. And it was awesome seeing Isam getting some confidence because he wasn't really playing at all what, you know, a couple weeks ago. And this is an opportunity for him where he seized. Um, and if Uda can't go, or even in the future, I'd like to see Isam get more minutes. Um, and he probably jumped David Cork in the um, in little power rankings there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, um, took the most took advantage of his opportunity after like you said kind of completely falling out of the rotation almost so very good to see that um so just to recap TCU loses to Texas Tech 82 to 81 and then they um are able to beat Cincinnati at home 75 to 57 uh which pushes them to 19 and 8 overall 8 and 6 in the conference we mentioned earlier they're now top four in the Big 12, which is huge because the top four teams get buys in the tournament. Um, let's look forward, though, to what they have coming up. They have a tough let's week this week, but a a favorable, a favorable week to end. We'll focus on this week. Um, they play Baylor on Monday. Um, I was looking on Twitter just now, and Steven Johnson, I think he tweeted that, he said that Dixon says Ernest Uday told him he felt better today. We'll check on his status tomorrow. So there is some, uh, uh, at least a chance that Uday returns for Baylor tomorrow, which as you mentioned is a big deal, but what do you, what are you looking for in this Baylor game? Um, obviously the last time these two teams played, it was maybe the game of the year. Uh, what do you expect? What do you want to see from TCU? Yeah, I expect, um, the home game of the year. I think it's the last real big home game. That UCF game is the first Saturday of spring break. So and it's UCF too. So I, I don't think it's that game is really going to bring the energy. Um, You know, Baylor at home is one of those games where you get so high for and the crowd's going to be there. And uh, it's going to be as chaotic as the last game. I think the the two question marks, like you said, like, um, yeah, Jamie said that, that, Uday was producing and it's going to be up to him because uh, Uday really hasn't been hurt he said in like he really hasn't experienced an injury so the recovery process he's still kind of feeling it out mm-hmm. which would be mad because Uday played like what 40 minutes in that triple overtime game like he was so big and links and love for Baylor is another super key piece for them so those two are big x factors in a sense um, it's going to be another high offense high crazy like probably big time performances. Baylor's just a fun team because they don't play great defense, but they have the best offense ever and they shoot three. So I'm just looking forward to this game. Yes, for T- for the opportunity it has for TCU, but also just as a college basketball fan because mm-hmm. um it's gonna be a super exciting atmosphere and the show be, the show is gonna be rocking for sure. Yeah. This is one of those games where it feels like it's gonna be like there's going to be some insane performances. Like last time yeah. it was Jameer Nelson Jr. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was really good. He, what did he have that day? He, he was at 30 engine had 30. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck. So, Chuck, Chuck. Bailey. Oh yeah. You forgot about, you can't forget about Chuck. <laughs> you can't. He's about, to, he's about to have an insane game on Monday. Yeah. I can guarantee it. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some big time performances. Jacoby, Jacoby Walter probably is uh, going to be, really good as usual i mean baylor has a lot of guys who can score so i think you're right it's just gonna be a fun game it's gonna be really fun basketball probably fast-paced up and down stuff um but i think that that's also a winnable game for them on on, you know at home um we'll get into our predictions in a minute but i'm I'm interested to see what the spread's gonna be yeah yeah let me look actually see if it's up yeah another thing too from the game um the thing that was killing the frogs against Baylor last time was that Ray J Dennis, even me, see pick and roll. So mm-hmm. you want to be able to defend that better. And um, we've had weak points with our perimeter defense that's been shown again and again. Uh, so 
I'd be interested to see what Tennyson's minutes are because if he's matched up on some of their guards, they, they could exploit that, and especially with him struggling late. Like I would rather probably rather have Avery and Jameer playing them the bulk of the minutes because they're just better perimeter defenders for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're gonna be able to, to defend that pick and roll, and Uday was really the only guy that did it successfully. It was led to the bulk of his minutes last time, and um, so you're you're gonna need to be able to to be a lot better than you were. Yeah. In Waco. Yeah, this feels like a game that Tennyson like a, a, a perfect opportunity to come back and have like a big game. Yeah. Um, they're going to need a shooting to keep up with Baylor's uh, high scoring offense. Um, I didn't find the spread. I'm looking for the spread. I don't think it's out yet. Yeah, it might not be out yet. Yeah. Tenenbaum has it as like one point advantage for TCU. Yeah, so it's going to be a pick em. It'll be probably a pick em. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to talk about BYU? Yeah. I'm okay. I'm excited for this one. Yeah. Um yeah. a similar team to um to Baylor, I think, in the sense that their offense is elite and their defense is not. Um, so I think it's gonna be another yeah, a similar type of game. Exciting, big performances, like all those guys can shoot, Hall, Nell, Waterman, Jackson Robinson, Spencer Johnson. And then they got those big, the the big bigs, the the big boys, Foose and um Ali Khalifa. So they're deep. They can hit you from all angles. Yes, they can exploit you, or you can exploit their defense probably just from their high paced environment. Um, and Provo is going to be tough. You know, a place the frogs haven't aren't used to going. So, um, this week's a huge opportunity for the frogs where. They're both going to be super tough games, and they're both going to be losable but winnable at the same time, and you can be able to make big strides on um, other people in your conference. Yeah. I think the last time that TCU had a week like this was – was it that, like – I mean, at the time – when I say a week like this, like Baylor is 14 in Kempom, BYU is 19 in Kempom, so both – really good teams. Like I, I think of that Oklahoma Houston two game stint. Um, at the time, I think Oklahoma was pretty high uh, on Kim Palm, but those, those were both home games. So this is a little tougher. You have to go to BYU, which again is uh, one of the better home court advantages in basketball. Um, but yeah, it is kind of, it's, it's interesting because these teams, BYU and Baylor are very similar and it's almost like, you're playing the same team twice. I mean, obviously not exactly because of personnel and styles and coaching, whatever, but the, like you look at the numbers, they're very similar. So if TCU can, um, you know, figure it out, I think this is certainly a week where they could go on a bit of a run and um, win both or, you know, win, you know, I don't know. I think everything's on the table for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, either game could flip either way. And um, I'm interested to see how TC is going to respond to the Provo environment because I think yeah. it could be one that they sleep on because they don't know what it's like yet. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, you know, a night game there. Like, it's it, it's going to be rocking. So, I'm, I'm super – these are two of the games I've been looking forward to most this year. Um, mm-hmm. Baylor home and at BYU. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, another reason this this week is big is because so we've said it a lot already, but TCU's fourth in the Big Twelve standings, and they're ahead of both Baylor and BYU. But both those teams are within striking distance. Um, and if you can take care of business this week, that's two tiebreakers that you have, uh, which is huge for for a team that's trying to stay in that in that top four area. So um, it's you know it's getting to that time of year where these things really matter. These these games hold a lot more weight, uh, more significance. So I'm really interested to see how TCU handles that because um, it's we're you know what are we like a week away from March? It's almost March. So yeah, I mean the BYU getting, game is in March. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Things are getting serious. Things are getting serious. Um. So I'm excited to see what happens this week. Definitely. You ready to pick the games? Yeah, let's do it. You go let's for run it. it. All right, I'll go first. I I'm picking the win against Baylor. Um, it's so tough to sweep them. 
but the thing we talked so much about Kansas depth this year. Mm-hmm. I think Baylor's a lot more thin than people realize, um, especially if Langston Love is out. They, you know, Langston Love's the only guy that really plays significant minutes off the bench, um, and you know they have the 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 I guess with Love the four guards with none Walter Ray J and um uh Jacoby um so if something happens there I think TCU has the depth of of guards too to match them and they can be able to play at their fast pace like Baylor did where you know we saw TCU our last Baylor in the triple overtime game and I think um with the hype of the home crowd playing in TCU's favor they get it done and but I I I think I am gonna predict a loss because I think they just don't know what's what's coming in BYU. BYU's um kind of a little slept on team here, and I just think the Provo atmosphere will be the difference in the in the matchup. But mm-hmm. again, we talk about it so much, but especially this week, both those could be lost, both those could be wins. You could flip that either way, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can make any prediction here, and it would make sense. Um, it's just that those that exciting games, but. Yeah, my official prediction is win against Baylor Monday and, and take the L on um in Provo. Okay, I like it. Um since we continue to make the same picks, I want to change it up a little bit this week. And I do feel like this result is possible. I'm gonna go two and oh because I think that I don't really know even why I'm going two like and that. I feel like they are capable of beating both these teams. I think you're right. Um it's going to be crazy in Fort Worth tomorrow, Monday, for this Baylor game. Um, I think they're – I mean, I think BYU's beatable. We've seen recently they, you know, haven't been – I mean, they lost to Kansas State. Obviously, that was a road game, but um, they've lost to Oklahoma State and Kansas State in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so those are obviously not great losses. But I think TCU can beat them. The environment's going to be tough, but I think that TCU has – seen a lot of really tough environments you know you go to lawrence you almost win there you go to texas tech you probably should have won there um so i um i don't know i think i think i'm gonna go two and oh with no real reasoning other than i just feel it i just feel i like it i like it um yeah to add on that too if you do go two and oh i mean the last two games are at westfall home against ucf so Mm. If you get it done this, you don't want to look ahead. But, I mean, they could finish out the regular season with a little five-game win streak and mm-hmm. seven of the eight. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's looking it's looking up for the Frogs, for it sure. It is, yeah. It is. It, I'm liking what we're relying. If you – ah, man, if you just beat Texas Tech in that game, this is – that would be four in a row. Yeah, you're on cloud wins. nine. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy if you win that game. But, yeah, I'm going 2-0. and I don't really know why, but I'm going to do it. I just feel I like, like it. All right. Sweet. Um, do you have anything else? Or are we good? Oh, uh, no. Um, yeah, I I will add to next week we're getting Colin Post back on. Um, yeah. I think we're recording the interview tomorrow. So um and I I met him at the at the game yesterday. It was cool. I'm I'm excited to talk to him, so that should be fun to catch up back yeah. with him. But um yeah, I, I'm excited for the this team and i'm yeah i'm i'm excited for march i yeah. i'm excited for brackets i'm excited for madness all that kind of stuff so <laughs> it, it's getting here and i'm ready for it yeah oh yeah i'm ready for it and yeah uh colin was super fun to talk to he loves tcu hoops he loves tcu yeah. sports so it was fun to have him on a couple weeks ago and have him on tomorrow to kind of look ahead and see yeah. what's in front of his tcu team will be good so come back next week um and listen to Colin Post on Frog Fever. Um all right, well I'm gonna wrap it up if we're good. Yeah, let's do it. It was a good pod. Thanks for um thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in to Frog Fever. We've been having a lot of fun doing it. Uh we appreciate those who listen and um it's gonna get a lot of fun here in the next couple of weeks. For sure. Uh, when when March comes. I think I'm gonna go to a couple of the games in Kansas City. So Maybe we can do something. I might fun be with... there too. Yeah. Really? Okay. But yeah, maybe we can do like a in-person show or something, but yeah, yeah keep, keep coming around. 
it's uh college basketball. This is the time of the year. This is the time of the year for college basketball. And we're going to talk about all of it right here in frog fever. So we appreciate it. Um, my name is Davis Wilson. That is Nick Germani. Come back next week for another episode of frog fever. Yes, sir. See ya.